my second podcast in Cosmic Careers. Today, we will cover Chapter 1, Promise Within Reach. I am the author, Alistair Storm Brown of Cosmic Careers, and here is the host of Veronica Kiaravalli. Uh, hello, Veronica. Uh, hello, Alistair. The first chapter of your book discusses the promise of a bright future in space, not only of space migration, but what people can do up there and how it can benefit the people of Earth. You say that soon, very soon, space will open up and we could have a bright future ahead of us. And all of this is in the first chapter of Cosmic Careers. Could you explain this further? Yes. In developing space, Everything will be involved, starting with robotics. Robots, along with humans, will mine the asteroids, and there's a reason for this. With low gravity, mining asteroids won't be easy. We need a process not only to mine, but to catch and secure the minerals once they are mined. Now, when I say asteroids, I don't mean the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. I mean near-Earth asteroids within Earth's neighborhood. And that's between the Earth and the Moon and anywhere within its vicinity. Around our neighborhood, there are a little over 34,000 near-Earth asteroids, with 2,400 of them large enough to come close to the Earth to be classified as potentially hazardous. But don't worry. The chances of Earth being struck by an asteroid are extremely low. Well, that's obvious, but the Earth has been hit before at Tunguska in Siberia in 1908, and there is a theory that the dinosaurs became extinct because of an asteroid hitting the Earth. True, but that is still a rare occurrence, and there are ways of stopping threatening asteroids by mining them out of existence. Do you know the real benefits of mining an asteroid? Yes, I know we can mine a lot of minerals from it, minerals that only China has a monopoly on at present. Mining these minerals instead of depending on China can break their monopoly on the world. Can it ever? There was an article in the Wall Street Journal back in 2019 that China has control of 16 rare earth minerals, critical of industries worldwide. Mining these near-Earth asteroids will no doubt break China's hold on these industries, freeing them up and not having to pander to China's, China's demands to get what they need. Can you name some of these metals? Uh, nickel, iridium, palladium, platinum, gold, magnesium, osmonium, ruthenium, and rhod rhodium, to name a few. Some of these are available outside China, but the point is we won't have to be dependent on any country. Water ice is also plentiful on these asteroids, so we won't have to depend on Earth for that either. And that's good because water carries a lot of weight and is expensive to send up from Earth's gravity. Now, what are these minerals good for? Computer chips for more advanced computers than what we have now, solar cells for more advanced solar energy, hard oil, 
hard alloys for ships, propulsion systems, base habitats, and superconductors, catalytic converters for transportation on Earth, especially cars, and uh, don't forget luxury jewelry. All this will add to our economy exponentially. Individuals and companies will seek out asteroids for mining, sell the minerals to manufacturing plants both on the moon and on Earth, along with orbiting space factories. One example is that there is an asteroid called Davida, which has been estimated to be worth $27 quintillion. That's 27 with 18 zeros following, and I believe that's more money than the Earth has. 14 other asteroids are estimated to be worth 2.5 to 7.7 quintillion dollars. And don't forget the thousands of asteroids in the billion, trillion, and quadrillion dollar range. These are asteroids with nickel, iron, cobalt, water in the form of ice, nitrogen, hydrogen, and platinum group metals. And there are a lot under that category, all valuable. There is going to be a new gold rush here, like they had in California and Alaska. Lots of companies are going to snatch up these asteroids. It'll be chaos there. Yes, but there is a way that it can be controlled in an orderly manner. Don't forget the filing of claims, like in a gold rush, in both California and Alaska and Canada. If you wanted to dig for gold or pan for it in a creek, You just don't go and dig or pan. You have to stake out a claim and file it at the local office, then pan or dig. And you do it on your own claim only. No one else's and nowhere else. That would be claim jumping. The same procedure would apply to mining the moon or an asteroid. Now, if an asteroid is big enough, several entities could mine it, but they would have to respect the claims of others. This is how you prevent chaos. However, there will be enough for everybody, and then some. And don't get too greedy. That's why the economy is messed up on Earth right now. Well, hopefully, this would fix the world economies by developing space resources and providing jobs. This can pull massive amounts of people out of poverty by providing space-supporting jobs on Earth. Now, the people willing to take risk in prospecting an asteroid will no doubt get rich, and there will be an incentive there. And I say risks because there will be failures, as there always is in any venture. With more industries going into space, the Earth will have a chance to clean itself up and have clean air and water again and erase its scars. We have to help Earth along on that. We can start with having transportation like automobiles that do not run on fossil fuels. We're starting to have that already, but this will accelerate the process. Gus to asteroid mining, and that will greatly help the economy. There has to be other reasons, other incentives for going into space. A mineral rush will be only one reason to go, but there are other activities taking shape that will help propel us in space. These will be covered in the rest of this podcast, and I have outlined four of homesteading, research, production, and profit, and I will discuss them in that order. Tell us now about homesteading. Obviously, it's going to apply to the moon, Mars, and the asteroids. The moon, of course, will be the first to be homesteaded. You can industrialize asteroids, and Mars will come later. 
but let's concentrate on the moon. On Earth, our present situation of economic decline will get worse, and that is simply because of overpopulation and increasing demand for resources that the Earth can no longer provide. Of course, this is going to lead to decline. The Earth can no longer provide for us all, that is, all 8 billion people, but the resources of space can. To mine materials and manufacture products, we will have to go up there to live, and that means homesteading. Like anywhere else, that means setting up shelter, growing food, producing water, making clothing, and unlike other places, providing oxygen and protecting us from radiation. However, everything we need is already up there to help us set up a decent home. Now, there has to be a source of water. But both the North and the South Poles on the moon, especially the South, has been estimated to provide 156 billion gallons of water in the form of ice in permanently shaded areas like Shackleton Crater in the South. The asteroids are estimated to contain 100 to 400 billion gallons of water ice, so there will be no shortage of water anytime soon. Of course, you do have to practice water conservation and recycling. You can't waste it. Water means growing food, among other things. You can stake out lunar land and grow food in the soil, provided that you process the soil correctly. Get valuable minerals out, including oxygen, since oxygen is attached to these minerals in the form of compounds. So there will be a source of oxygen and other gases as well. Introducing bio biological elements and bacteria, even plant waste from plants previously grown there, it's not hard to do. And both the ISS, International Space Station, and Skylab have done experiments growing food in these near zero gravity, using both soil and hydroponics. They have grown potatoes, grains, vegetables, and uh, other foods will include mouse stew and rabbits, since we have to bring small animals and not heavy cattle unless we transport them in the form of embryos. In building shelter, we will need prefabricated materials at first, and they would need to be protected from both cosmic and solar radiation, along with extreme temperatures for day and night cycles on the moon, each lasting for two weeks. Now, water could provide protection, but for now, two meters of lunar regolith soil covering the habitats would be better. Lunar regolith could also be used for future space station like O'Neill Space Habitats, and that will come later. And there would also be lunar concrete, lunacrete. If you mix regolith with cement paste and reinforce it with steel and glass fibers, you could prevent cracking. So you could shape this in any form one desires to build any kind of structure from habitats and labs to space factories. And uh, that would lead to building a city. And lunar concrete can resist heat and all forms of radiation. It's strong and protects against abrasion from meteorites. And uh, they fall on the moon constantly. So space has the means to build civilizations on the moon independent of Earth. They wouldn't need Earth. And they will progress in ways that we can't even imagine right now. What jobs would be available for everyone here? Farmers, cooks, chefs for 
varieties of meals, cattle breeders for embryos from Earth, architects, geologists, interior decorators for the insides of buildings. You don't want to live in a building that's boring. Economists, therapists, for those getting used to the new extraterrestrial environment, and of course, clothes makers. Clothing would be equally as important. In all varieties. And it's on top there with food and shelter. Regular everyday clothing would be used and reused and repaired, not thrown away, and we would need tailors for that. Now, we also need spacesuits to go out on the lunar surface to withstand both extreme cold and heat, intense pressure, and lethal radiation. Now, the Apollo spacesuits were known to have 21 layers, and this required sewing professionals alone. A woman who sews for a living grew up sewing fabric and eventually got to work for NASA sewing the insides of spacesuits. This was for space shuttle astronauts, and there were quite a few layers of protection against heat, radiation, and adjustment for air pressure. And she even wrote a book about it. In my own book, there is a section telling of Dr. Alan Eustace, who bought an old Apollo spacesuit from NASA, examined it from the inside, and got out, used it for high-altitude skydiving. And he set a record for that. It's all in there. Now let's go on to research. The next three go together. Research, production, and profit. There, of course, will be research with near-zero gravity, lunar gravity, and the use of minerals from the moon and asteroids, leading to, to the production of new materials and technologies, all leading to a profit. That's the magic word here. And remember... No company or individual will invest in space without getting a return, meaning a profit. That's why we didn't invest in space for the last few decades. The research comes first. Whether in space or on the moon, there will be research in everything. That's how it all starts. There will be research in medicine, agriculture, astronomy, cosmic and solar radiation, alloys from various metals found on the moon and the asteroids, energy, space transportation, and a new one, 3D printing. This will all benefit the people of Earth just as much as it will in space. Zero gravity, even one-sixth gravity, like they have on the moon, will mean a contamination-free environment, since the atmosphere in these labs will be artificial and cleaner. A low or zero gravity environment will help create, for example, perfect microspheres from plastics attached to medicines to be injected in humans with cancer to their cancerous cells. There will also be the suspension of materials that will be processed with no containers. Materials that cannot be bounded on Earth because of its gravity can be bounded in space. For example, tissue chips are human cells grown in an artificial medium and, like stem cells, they imitate structure and organs of a tissue. Now, this could mean the regeneration of body parts and curing diseases. Cancer research has been going on in the shuttle and the ISS for years. You've talked a lot about research in the medical field, but there are other fields worth mentioning. 
Well, I've talked about medicine the most because that is badly needed for dealing with new sicknesses and severe injuries. Zero-gravity environments and containerless processing can and will apply to any field, such as, as I've mentioned, producing alloys for habitats, spacecraft, superconductors, producing crystals for computers, and new forms of energy that will come up that are equally vital to our civilization as medicines. Faster propulsion systems will be researched to get us on Mars and to the vast reaches of space. In chemistry, whether it be for medicines or rocket fuel, a new word is creeping up into our vocabulary, cosmochemists. And don't forget 3D printing, where a 3D printer will take minerals and produce spare parts for spacecraft and other vital apparatus, rather than importing them from Earth. That is true independence. Now, as a bonus, if you grow grains on the moon, that can mean brewing extraterrestrial beer. Boy, would I love to have some of that. And, and Anheuser-Busch is very interested in this process. All this will lead to making new products for space and Earth. This is where the third category comes in, production. You've mentioned some of this already, but that is uh, locked in with research and profits from all these space-made products, including medicine. You would end up producing a lot of merchandise, especially with 3D printing. In general, new, even old products produced in space because of its low gravity will result in refinement of materials, few defects, and better performance, whether it be medicine, computer chips, or strong solar panels for producing more energy, or should I say more powerful solar panels for producing more energy. Here are some other examples. Zeblon, all capitals, is an optical fiber thinner than hair that transmits billions of light pulses per second. Space jewelry to give to the love of your life. Superconductors to transmit more electricity. Propulsion systems. Building materials for spaceships, space stations, and lunar habitats. Need I say more? The products you've mentioned are just the tip of the iceberg. We'll make products that we can't even imagine right now. This will produce a space infrastructure that will pay for itself and then some. Which leads us to profits from everything that will be produced. Much of this merchandise will be shipped to Earth. And incidentally, it'll take someone with an MBA in export management. Any takers? Profits of course, are vital because, as stated, no one is going to invest in space without turning a profit. That's how people and industries make their money, and it's also why there was hardly little or no space investments back in the 70s or 80s, because little was known about it and companies didn't want to take the risk. You've already mentioned prospecting the asteroids and mining them, and that alone will turn a profit. And so will the products produced from them that's already been mentioned in this podcast. It's simply the law of supply and demand, and there will be a demand, a very high demand, for all these products, and more, and money will be made. 
And I would like to caution you all against greed. There is a problem prevalent in our society today, and that is why our society is falling apart. There are enough resources out there for anybody with the, with the determination to make it. So we, we need not step on anybody else. The successes and failures will be decided by the cosmos itself or how each individual will be able to handle it. I especially want to point out the field of medicine. New cures for sicknesses and new ways to rejuvenate and regenerate the human body will be found. However, I want to warn the uh, medical field not to get greedy here. Medical treatment has gotten expensive, out of the average person's financial reach. Please do not allow this with space medicine. If you make a profit, and you must, at least make the treatment affordable for the average patient to pay without them sacrificing his or her livelihood. Don't put the patient in so much debt that it will take a lifetime to pay. Find some way to make the cost of space medicine treatment reasonable so that anyone, no matter who they are, will be able to afford it without any worries about their future. Yes, that is very thoughtful consideration for future patients. As we progress in the field of medicine, we mustn't forget whom we are treating. You have shown the wealth and knowledge that can come from space. It also explains why we should go there, even when there is so much poverty here on Earth. That is the classic question that so many people ask. And one of my duties as a space advocate is to answer that question. When people ask, why are we sending people in space when there is so much poverty here on Earth? What they cannot see is that the answer is in the question. It's because there is so much poverty and disease here on Earth. The imbalance of resources on Earth may soon end life as we know it if we don't go up there. We are going into space to meet the vital needs of medicine, to acquire more resources and wealth to alleviate poverty on Earth, to increase the quality of life here on Earth, and to give humanity a new frontier to venture into the infinite void of space for new and never-ending adventures. Well, Alistair, you sure said a lot in this podcast, and we are now at an end. What will the third one be about? Podcast number three will cover chapter two, Will History Repeat Itself? It covers the mistakes we've made throughout history and how we can learn from them and apply them to space. One example covers the British Empire, how it rose, and how it relates to space today. Thank you, Alistair, for another informative yet enjoyable podcast. Thank you, Veronica, and thank you, the listener. Tune in next time, and don't forget to buy my book, Cosmic Careers, at your local bookstore or on the net. Goodbye, until next time.